0: There was something challenging about my conversation with Ben Stein that I couldn't quite put my finger on for a while, but I think now I've got it. I think it has to do with the fact that I'm a trained ethicist. I want to have the ethical debate. And what Ben was pushing me to do is to think of what is standardly a set of ethical debates as a political debate instead. I think you're going to see that come out in the conversation where I keep trying to have an ethics debate and Ben is sort of pushing me to think about things through a more political lens. In order to sort of get a grip on what the focus of the conversation is, I want to bring your attention to sort of four thoughts or four claims that I think are really behind what Ben is up to and I think it'll better help you follow the conversation. So four claims. Here's the first one. The first one is that when we think about nature and technology or nature versus technology, we feel in some cases some kind of pull towards a more naturey side of things or a more techie side of things that we can't fully rationalize. We can't really tell you what's amazing or what's terrible about that. So let me give you an example. Ben says that he sort of in some sense morally disgusted. He doesn't use the word disgust, but morally repulsed by, maybe that's the same word, morally repulsed by ectogenesis, growing a baby outside a womb. So you know it's a technological marvel to be able to grow a baby from embryo to quasi birth, birth. I don't I don't even know what we want to call it, um, in an artificial womb. And he just sort of thinks that something something's not quite right about that. That I could sort of, as he says, send my sperm off to a ectogenesis plant and they'll marry it as it were with an egg and then they'll create, they have an embryo and then they'll raise it in this artificial room or grow it in an artificial womb and then you have a child. That Something's not quite right about that. It's something not, as he says, there's something unnatural about it that he wants to push against. He gave another example that I found myself saying, yeah, that seems wrong somehow. I don't know why. The example was, what if we gave various predatory animals who cause lots of suffering in nature. What if we gave them some drugs to chill them out? We also provided them with enough food so they don't need to go out and kill all these animals. And yes, there's certain logistical problems with this, of course, but putting the logistical problems to the side just seems like, I don't know, Should I kind of want to say, I don't know that we should fuck with nature like that. That's, that seems seems somehow wrong. I can't give you a good argument for why I think it's wrong. It just sort of, ugh, seem, something seems wrong about that. On the other side of things, there are those people who are really attracted to tech innovations, that there's something marvelous about various kinds of technological innovation. So for instance, transhumanists who want to use technology to augment existing cognitive and behavioral capacities of humans, they think that there's something you know, marvelous about our ability to improve ourselves in that way and that there's either a moral obligation to or it'd be, it's a rosy ideal that we ought to pursue. You know, so some people really are, if you like, into tech, and some people are really into nature. And then, of course, there's everything in between. Anyway, all of that is, if you like, thought number one that we've got these sort of ooh technology or ooh nature sort of feelings that we don't always know how to fully rationalize. That's Ben's, if you like, thought one. Thought two was that this raises various ethical questions about what's ethically permissible in terms of how you grow babies or GMOs or how we uh, intervene in the climate to affect climate change there's various kinds of ethical issues but as ben points out they also raise various policy or regulatory or legal issues and there's lots and lots of these kinds of if you like tech versus nature conflicts political conflicts and we're only going to see more and more of those so yes you know you and i ethicists whatever can get together and talk about what's ethically permissible and impermissible And ultimately, presumably, that's meant to inform certain kinds of political decisions that we make. For instance, who we're going to vote for. And this brings us to issue number three. Not only are these, if you like, political issues and not just ethical issues, it's also the kind of thing that should be taken into account when we vote for various elected officials. That One thing that we should be looking on is if you like, are these people... Sort of leaning towards nature, you know, just in the way that someone might lean politically left versus lean politically right. Are they, if you like, nature friendly or tech friendly? Which way do they lean politically speaking? And one reason why it's important that we sort of keep this distinction in mind, so says Ben, is that, and this is the fourth thought, that the, if you like, nature versus tech divide, nature versus tech leanings doesn't map nicely onto the left-right political distinctions, that you could have some people who are on the left who are sort of more tech-leaning versus more nature-leaning. You could have people on the right who are more tech-leaning versus nature-leaning or vice versa. And so since it doesn't map onto the left-right distinction very well, this is another dimension or another axis against which we ought to evaluate potential or actual political candidates. So that's the way in which. While well, I wanted to have, in some sense, an ethics discussion about what does nature tell us to do or what does it not tell us to do or something along those lines, Ben really was pushing, which he was right to do, pushing for me to think about this and is pushing all of us to think about this as a political question. Okay, now that you've got that, I think the conversation should unfold in a way that I, that I think makes a lot of sense. And it's really interesting to think about, yeah, do we need to think about another dimension by which we evaluate uh, political candidates. Okay, that's all by way of setup. Uh quick bit of housekeeping. As always, if you've got any questions for me, if there's a topic you want me to discuss, an issue you want me to address, a person you want me to talk to, please email me at em at readblackman.com as an ethical machines, em at readblackman.com. And also please review this podcast. Give it five stars. Say it's the most amazing thing ever. Share it with friends. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's all I can stomach by way of self-promotion. All right, let's, just, let's go talk to Ben. So Ben, if I understand things correctly, you're really focused on this sort of, one might call it a nature versus technology debate. So tell me, what are some core examples of what you might characterize as a nature versus technology debate?
1: Okay, so a very common one these days is genetically modified crops. You get the sort of organic movement who would say that something being genetically modified, like, you know, a banana being made brighter in color or like a strawberry being doubled in size is somehow wrong. There's something wrong about that.
0: That strawberry is a moral abomination. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, the forbidden (laughs) fruit, you could say. Whereas there's people on the other side who sort of say, well, no, like the fact that we are genetically modifying a fruit uh, there's nothing intrinsically wrong about that. You know, if anything, it's quite a marvel. It's something that should be respected and admired, the fact that we can double the size of a strawberry, as well as the fact that so, it will help feed the so, way.
0: So the opposition isn't, they're not making a kind of empirical claim, like this is dangerous, this will cause, you know, people to be unhealthy. Maybe they make that claim, but they seem to be making an additional claim that there's also something ethically suspect about it. Is that right?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, consciously or subconsciously, it seems that when people are surveyed on the issue, it's not just the empirical claim that matters. So they might accept that the strawberry doesn't have health issues. Nonetheless, what they seem to care about when you dig deep is the unnaturalness of the endeavor. Okay, yeah. So that's one example. Good, what's another one? So so, I mean, like that example is, you know, one, I'm gonna sort of twist the dial up now, right? Because that example doesn't really hit many people, especially in our sort of circles. Mm Mm-hmm. Human genetic enhancement. There's lots of.
0: The volume way up.
1: <laughs> I turn the volume way up, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I way can go up, higher. Way up, way up. I can joke. go higher. I will go higher. <laughs> oh, you can
0: but, go higher. Um, I want you to go higher. But let's not get
1: it. But human genetic enhancement. So, I mean, what if we can tweak our brains to make ourselves, I don't know, smarter, more empathetic? Is yeah. there something intrinsically wrong about that? Now, of course, like, you know, Reid, you will tell me that there's all sorts of practical issues with doing this, that, you know, that there might be a fairness problem that, you know, a left winger might say that it might be only the rich who mm-hmm. have access to this technology. And that's a problem. Sure, sure. yeah. But beyond yeah. that, there's a sort of in principle objection that we shouldn't tweak our own brains because there's something natural about the human brain that's worth holding on to. For it's not for us. Yes.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you so think about
1: that.
0: Right. No. That. Okay. So I'm getting into the flavor of it right now. It's sort of like don't fuck with nature as a moral yeah. principle.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: But now I want to hear aside from claims about because screwing with nature is going to be dangerous or something along those lines, it's just there's something I want to say good. I guess they want to say that something yeah. good about something's being natural or from nature and tampering with it is thereby bad okay i i want get in I want to get into that deeper, but first I want to hear how do you turn up the volume on you know designer babies or you know tweaking one's own yeah you know brain
1: um well, maybe it's but, just a personal thing, right, but I think I can you know as a philosopher get into the headspace of thinking that genetic enhancements okay, but I think something I really struggle with is ectogenesis, so this idea of growing babies outside the womb hmm. so you know. I think I can understand how a surrogate mother is um, a very acceptable and, and lovely thing that, that that is available to people now in the modern world. But ectogenesis, sure. the idea of growing babies, maybe at scale, maybe I'm sending my sperm off in the post and I'm getting back a baby nine months later that's never touched a human mother. That's really turning the dial up for me.
0: Mm. And is, is that similar for similar reasons that don't screw with nature in that way?
1: Well I I don't feel like I can locate my disgust in any other oh, way. Okay. Yeah. You know that yucky feeling I feel to me is only well explained by the fact that it's unnatural and it's not well explained by, yeah. you know, the practicalities of it which I accept could yeah in principle be solved.
0: Okay, so, I mean, there, there's so many things that I want to explore now. I guess, one, I know that we want to talk about that what you really focus on is the politics of this all, and I want to understand that politics mm-hmm. angle. But first, maybe you could give some rationale for why I should care about this. Why should, I, why should I even find this claim remotely plausible, that it's natural so it's good? I mean, there's all sorts of things that are natural that are bad. Or poison mm-hmm. ivy, to take a sort of low-level example. Poison ivy, it's poisonous, no good. You know, it's not intrinsically bad, but it's it just it's natural. Cancer? You know, various congenital diseases occur, if you like, naturally. Those are bad things. We should work to prevent them. So I sort of think, I guess I think in all these sort of nature versus technology debates, the three that you've articulated, plus I know that there are others. Why is it even a starter to say, well, it's natural or it's of, from nature or something? And so, you know, we shouldn't screw with it. Mm. What's the appeal to that view?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I think part of me saying that this is a political question is because I would say your question is of the same type as asking a left-winger, say, why is equality important? Or asking a libertarian, why is liberty important? Um, It's often the case that we can't rationalize these things. They're sort of deep feelings in us. Mm. And we don't all agree. And Mm. that's going to be the secret source of the politics to come.
0: Okay, so, yeah, talk to me about that. So, okay, I think I see what you're saying. You're saying something like there are some principles that are sort of like moral bedrock. Yeah. This is what I think. I I don't have good reasons for articulating it. It just seems to me so obviously true. So, for instance, let's take a non-nature example. You know, killing innocent people for fun. It's just wrong. Yeah. What more do you want if you don't see that, I'm not sure that I could reason you into agreeing with me. If you're like, no, it's totally fine, it could be for fun, there's no rational discussion to be had here. It's just sort of moral bedrock. And and I guess you think that for some people, at least, it's natural, is to some extent moral bedrock. Is that the
1: idea? That That's well explained, yeah.
0: Okay, so, but then you seem to want to make this other move that I want to understand, which is talking about the politics of such disputes. So the disagreement, conceiving of the disagreement between the pro and con GMO people or the pro and con human enhancement or the pro and con, you know, ba- babies babies in tubes mm-hmm. or whatever it is. I want to characterize it as these are ethical disputes. These are ethical debates mm-hmm. to be had about whether these things are ethically permissible or not. And you think, I take it. Is this right? That's the wrong way to think about these questions? That we need to think about them through a political lens? Is that right?
1: Yeah, so- that's right. So... Maybe I'll start with what I think is wrong with viewing these as ethical debates. And then Mm. I'll say why political is the answer. So let's take the question of human enhancement. This has been a question that's been big in a field called bioethics for the last 10, 15 years. And sure. Yeah. What bioethics to teach this stuff. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Great. Well, you'll know better than me then that what a lot of bioethicists want to do is try and draw a line in the sand or a line in Darwin's sand, you could say, as mm-hmm. to where we should stop tampering with the human genome. There's some tweaks that are yeah. okay. It's okay to, like, give us stronger and healthier hair, say. It's not okay to change brain function hmm. or, or something. Or, you know, maybe it's okay to do something for therapeutic reasons, but not go- okay to enhance. So it's okay to bring people up to some right, normal you fix, function. You can fix
0: defects. You can fix right, defects,
1: yeah. but, right. sure. you know... and. Defining well, what normality is yeah. hard, but yeah, you can't improve on normality. Now, I want to say that one, just sort of as a matter of fact, there is no line in the sand that can be drawn. It's more like sure. a, a heap that when does it become a heap? You know, you, it's grains of sand that, <laughs> you know, become right, a heap.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 So just just for listeners who aren't familiar with, with the heap yep. thing, you know, there's a classic philosophical example of what's a heap. Well, if I give you one grain of sand, that's not a heap. If I add a grain of sand, you know, if you've got two grains, that's not a heap. Add one more grain of sand, still not a heap. But if I added, got to the point of adding 10,000 grains of sand, you got a heap on your hands. But what number of grain does it go from non-heap to heap? Well, it's a gray area. It's a case <laughs> of what gets called vagueness. And then there's a question about what the hell is vagueness. But the general view is there's not some sharp line between something's becoming a heap from being a non-heap of sand, let's say. And so I take it the point here is there's not a clear line between, you know, something like fixing a defect versus providing an enhancement. It's going to be necessarily a kind of gray area. Mm, I think that's the point, right?
1: That's exactly the point. Yeah. And so, you know, some ethical theory that tries to argue for why, you know, certain types of genetic modification are okay, And then there's a line and others aren't. I think that's like a fool's errand. I don't think that that project will succeed.
0: To figure out which grain of sand is the, is the one that makes it a heap. Yeah. Forget about it. Yeah.
1: Now, if you say what I say, which is that this nature technology question is a political question. It's a question of political value. And what we're having is a debate where we might have different intrinsic preferences to be either more inclined to be pro-nature or more inclined to be pro-technology and we have the debate with that lens then you know trying to draw that darwinian line in the sand is sort of equivalent to a left-winger saying there is some rate of taxation that suddenly makes things fair and under that rate things are unfair you like that line in the sand Yep. and And you would say that's nonsensical, yeah, because in fact, what the left wing and right wing would say is we have these broad preferences for more or less economic distribution, and depending on where we are mm-hmm. on this spectrum, we could say that full redistribution is desirable or no distribution, no redistribution is desirable, and we understand that you know. People with these different political preferences don't just sort of go to battle on the particular place they draw the line in the sand. It's more of a general overarching debate.
0: I see. I see. So let me see if I got this right. So, all right, look, there's no point at which you add another grain of sand to the pile and it becomes a heap. To the other grains of sand, it becomes a heap. It's sort of a gray area. When we engage in ethical debates about, let's say, whether you know tweaking the human body in this way is ethically permissible or not, we're often looking for some sharp line. So it's unlike the grain of sand thing. But one thing that we do is we might think that being untouched by humans has some value to it. And we might think that being very much touched <laughs> by humans is, is appropriate or good. Is that right? And so we have to find the right kind of balance between these two values? Or is that wrong too?
1: I think I can see, well, different people might have different dispositions right so i think earlier we talked about the nature side we talked about how people might feel revolted by uh an excess of technology in their lives you know whether that be gm crops or whether that be ectogenesis but maybe we haven't talked so much about the technology side why would i want to see more technology for its own sake yeah so let's talk about uh, that a bit and then that's like sure, the, the other so, political I mean, camp in this yeah but-
0: I mean, I sort of—I kind of want to say the same thing about the tech people that I want to say about the nature people. I want to say about the nature people, you're fetishizing nature or something along those lines. There's instances in which something's being natural is good, but it's not in all cases. There's plenty of counter examples, like poison ivy, as being a mm-hmm. very simple one. Technology, of course, there's some really awesome technology, like life-saving technology and healthcare and life sciences. You know, great. But then there's also useless technology that you know, who cares about it? It's stupid and maybe it's actually harmful. Mm. So I guess. I don't see any reason for being a tech head or being a nature head. It just seems both sort of silly to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you think it's possible to take that view on other political spectrums as well?
0: Go on. What would that look like?
1: So so could I be someone who's just not particularly interested in politics as traditionally conceived and and so i would say i don't really care about the level of redistribution of wealth whether it goes one way or the other
0: well that would be more opting out of the debate altogether i don't think i'm trying to opt out of the nature versus tech debate i'm trying to say that both parties are fetishizing something or other mm. morally fetishizing something or other they're just really into it but it's just false that It's being natural is good. I mean, if you write down on the paper, if something is natural, then it is good. That seems clearly subject to various counterexamples. Poison ivy being the just a sort Mm. of silly, obvious one, but I don't know. Congenital heart failure. um, You know, (laughs) babies with cancer. You know, those things. Those are that happens naturally. Also seems really morally shitty. Although there's examples where there are natural beauty. There's natural beauty, and that's something Mm. to be valued. Blah blah Mm. blah. You know, I don't want people destroying, I don't know, some rainforests or mountains that people climb or just view because they're gorgeous and the aesthetic value is intrinsically valuable to be ethically bad, mm. ethically wrong to destroy those things. So, and then you know, on the tech side, again, there's going to be some tech. I, find, I actually find it very hard, at least with natural stuff, I could see the appeal of thinking something is intrinsically valuable. Like, look at that landscape. It's absolutely stunning independently of any use that one has for that landscape, other mm. than, you know, admiring it. With technology, I don't know that there's an analog where I just sort of marvel at a technology independently of its utility. That that would seem that yeah. seems weird.
1: Well, like, should we go there then, then, just because maybe that's an important first step to be able to see the technology side?
0: Yeah, tell a couple me, of examples. Tell me why.
1: Yeah. Yeah. S- so, um, so, I mean, one that's very a la mode right now is AI where I think a lot of the excitement and interest in it is as you use the word marveling about the technology and it's a marveling that doesn't come just from a place of thinking about the intrinsic benefit or the instrumental benefits that the technology will give us it comes from a sense of wow like we humans have managed to create this thing mm-hmm. that outperforms mm-hmm. us in so many ways that is a feeling of awe-struckness. It's a feeling of awestruckness that's sort of similar in some ways to looking at a breathtaking natural landscape.
0: Yeah, that might be fair enough. I, I guess the proper analogy would be a a piece of actual artwork, whether okay. it's of a landscape yeah. or not. But if you think, all right, mm. look, th- this is a beautiful piece of art. Obviously, it was created by a person. It's not a piece of technology, if you like, but it's a human production that we think is... It embodies or symbolizes or something or other human achievement, but also there's just something valuable about the work itself. That's an amazing piece of work, and destroying it would be a moral travesty, or if not a moral travesty, at least not a morally good thing. Mm. So if we think that about pieces of artwork, why not think about pieces of technology as well, like an AI and yeah. the artwork we're saying it's beautiful or it's valuable independently of any utility it happens to bring just valuable it's as a shame.
1: A, as an instance of human creativity or as a sort of a totem of our collective endeavor as a humanity yeah yeah, or, yeah. whatever it is those yeah.
0: are all you know plausible explanations for why it has the value that it does but yeah. we suppose that it has value and we can talk about why it does have that value and then you could say the same thing about various kinds of technology. Yes, it it's going to be useful in various ways. So are paintings. They're useful in various ways, like brightening one's mood or making one contemplative or something along those lines. But mm-hmm. the pieces of technology, while they have their utility, they're also, in some cases anyway, independently worthy of being marveled at.
1: Yeah. And I would say that like this is actually quite a strong drive within us or within at least some section mm-hmm. of the population. So if you listen see, to yeah. Peter Thiel talk about transhumanism, he seems to be intrinsically motivated to like push the limits of what humanity you know, how how long mm-hmm. humanity can live, like what humanity can do. Lots of the Enlightenment yeah. era technologists were sort of intrinsically motivated to achieve technological progress, it seems. And I see you would characterize these People as extreme, and as you said earlier, they, maybe you don't see the intrinsic value in like pushing the envelope of humanity. Equally, you don't seem to be very convinced by the super pro nature side. You're, you're sitting somewhere in the middle at the moment. Is that right?
0: I mean, yeah. You know, I'm going to be a debunker of such people. You know, uh, <laughs> that they that they manifest a kind of religiosity towards these things. I do mean that in the pejorative sense in this case, but it's something <laughs> yeah. like, and and probably that for these transhumanist people, there's, I don't know if I want to say, I'll just say this. I'm suspicious that there's not some kind of underlying narcissism involved or something along those lines that would explain their marveling. So.
1: Well, well, can can we just pause there actually? I am,
0: I'm let, yeah. Can we just pause there
1: because underlying narcissism is a great thought there. And, And I think like, you know, maybe like a narcissism of the human species and its impact on the world might be one characterization of the pro technology movement, you know the the, the nature the eco mm-hmm. nature people might say, well, you're narcissistic about humanity itself, and you need to wind your neck back in humans and realize you're one of many species <laughs> yeah. in this world or whatever. So I, I think that's a nice like way that. of putting yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe others would bite the bullet and say, yeah, yeah I'm a narcissist. but you know,
0: then I'm going to go, but then I, but then I want to go some other way to the nature people and be like, you know, you, what explains your you're fetishizing or you know extreme marvel at nature. I mean, I could see like wanting to live in a beautiful place and going on hikes and mm. but, you know, it's don't genetically modify strawberries because that's an affront to nature. Yeah. That just seems like yeah, I guess I kind of something it seems to be like a kind of oh, I want I want to belong to something that's bigger than me. And mm. nature is it's my home, it's where I come from. I, and if I can identify with that that nature that's, that's me being connected to something bigger than me. And I'm sort of like, all right, well, that's just like a kind of psychological, you know, it's a desire of yours. It doesn't say anything about the value, you know, nature is always valuable or something like that.
1: Can, can I ask you something, Reid? I guess because you know, you've been a philosopher for a long time. and uh, Exactly. I have a long flowing gray beard, but okay. <laughs> it's growing on the inside. For, for <laughs> and, and, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, There's a Dorian gray picture of me. Becoming wise somewhere, yeah.
1: I I would say, when was the last time you enjoyed, and I mean sort of intellectually enjoyed, having a debate about capitalism versus communism or left-wing versus right-wing? Because I would say when we were like 14 years old, we probably had those sorts of debates with our friends and found them interesting. But like now that we're adults, or at least, you know, semi-adults who've done some (laughs) philosophy, we we, we tend to think that like when we see people arguing like that, we're just going to look at the argument and say, you'll never agree because you disagree on the fundamental values you hold. And it's not interesting to about it beyond that. And and, and and I'm saying... I actually find
0: it's... Oh, you still yeah.
1: find it interesting? Now, go on. You're going to disagree go with on. the premise. Now, I, I, I,
0: I, I, I do find, still find it interesting, but B, I also disagree. I think a lot of the disagreement is uninteresting because it's speculative, empirical disagreement. Like, if you tax people this way or if you distribute money this way, then it would cause a decrease in motivation or incentive to be creative and do things, and so no one would do anything. And so, and I'm sort of like, yeah. eh, that just seems to me, that's not interesting. That's just That's just empirical speculation about how human motivation works. And, you know, neither of you have the sort of requisite empirical chops to to know the truth of the matter here. But but I think even that
1: is often a flattering portrayal of arguments that happen because they might be having what seems like an empirical debate on the surface. But when you dig deep, it's that they have different value assumptions and they're choosing empirical facts that suit their view, etc.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that could be true too. Yep.
1: And, and, And so I'm saying the same is true here, right? I'm saying that like, all I, I'm asking that we accept this political spectrum to do with nature and technology. And that's all I'm asking. And, and then it will quickly become boring to have debates along the spectrum because you'll see the nature person and, and you'll you'll say, well, yeah, we do fundamentally disagree. I can't get in your headspace at all. But that's just the way it is. I
0: mean, I don't know. That, that seems to me, in some ways, more cynical than me. Is that possible? <laughs> okay, we've got the left and the right. Let's say politically, yeah, and they debate about stuff. I'm not sure that I find it uninteresting or fruitless to engage in debate about, you know, left versus right in politics. At least with people who are suitably, you know, rational, know how to have a, a fruitful conversation, et cetera, et cetera. Most people don't do that, so I don't find it interesting to have those conversations with them because they're just they're ill-equipped to have that conversation. But no, I think I think people. It's worth having that conversation. Moreover, I think that. Some people hold far-right positions that I think are just false, and some people hold far-left positions that I think are just false. And so even if I did say the nature versus technology is a political issue, then I would still want to say the same thing that I say about the left and the right. There's going to be some far-nature people that I think are nuts. There's going to be some far-tech people that I think are nuts. Mm. They're just wrong. they got false views. (laughs) And it's interesting to have the debate on the condition that they're suitably equipped to have that discussion in a fruitful way as opposed to just pounding the table or something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so then I guess the idea is... So let's suppose I concede, all right, you know, let's think about the nature versus technology debate. Let's conceive of them as political. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What does that get us? Why should I care that it be characterized that way?
1: Okay, so, like, very practically what it might get us is a shared sense of... You know, in a democratic country, where are we being represented on the spectrum? Let's say we all had like, so I, I feel like, you know, the voting public have this left right spectrum in mind and mm-hmm. they can hear political speeches or read manifestos and locate themselves relative to some political party and vote mm-hmm. accordingly. I say, Huh? Ideally, especially as these nature issues become ever more important, you know, we have AI, we have synthetic biology, you know, we have thresholds of nature being ever more challenged at mm-hmm. this century. It would be useful in this context to be able to locate our politicians on such a spectrum and vote accordingly and ensure that they're representative.
0: Okay, okay, so let me see if I have this right. So look, we know all know about the left and the right, We know where the left stands on various kinds of issues. We know where the right stands on various kinds of issues. If you tell me where a person lands on certain issues, you know, some subset of issues, I might be able to predict reliably where they're going to land on some other issues based on the left right thing. But then I guess your point is something like there are these nature technology debates that don't map onto the left right. Exactly. Actually, vaccine stuff might look like this. Maybe is that an example where no, no vaccines, you might think that they are, you know, they're not natural. And now maybe you know you don't think, I could see someone th- saying something like, no, no vaccines are good because they're not natural and nature is good. They've got like, you know, think of them as super hippy dippy or something mm. like that. Or they've just mm. got, they're just all in on earth, on mother nature. Mm. And then you can also imagine some people who are anti-vaxxers, but they're far right. Maybe they're even, it's that it defies god's will or something like that god's nature or it's interfering with god as he described the world and that's that's more associated with the right i think that's fair to say um so you might find some agreement on the left and the right on certain nature versus tech issues and i take it your point is that well that means that there's and and since this these kinds of debates keep coming up these these nature versus tech debates you talked about you know, there's genetic modification of crops. There's genetic modification of people. There's the, what is it called? Was it called? It, Babies outside of wombs?
1: Oh, that was ectogenesis.
0: Ectogenesis. But I might mean, give you a hundred others. Like,
1: yeah, like engineering. You know, should we spit out some chemical into the sky to reduce global warming?
0: And so, great. Okay, so there's lots of these nature versus tech debates is the point. Mm. And thinking of these tech versus nature debates, one, there's a ton of them. Two, they're only growing as technology increases and makes certain kinds of advancements. And three, it's going to shape the world. How these debates play out are going to shape the world. Four, how our world gets shaped is at least then part a function of the kinds of people that we have representing us in government doing what they're doing. Hmm. And so five, wouldn't it be super helpful if we didn't just evaluate our candidates for government roles from a left-right perspective, wouldn't also be helpful if we located them on some nature versus technology spectrum as well.
1: That's the idea. Yeah. So so that's benefit one. Yeah. Any, any challenge one. to There's that? There's another
0: one. I thought that one was pretty good. Okay. Any challenge to that? No, it strikes me as vaguely plausible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, what are they going to say? I mean, one thing that I would really hate is in order for them to identify themselves as being on the nature side versus technology side is they're just going to occupy really stupid positions because they're going to fetishize nature versus fetishizing mm. technology or i'm all about technology this is a vote for a vote for reed is a vote for technology <laughs> and in any dispute between nature and technology i'm voting with tech and then the <laughs> yeah. other idiot, you know, vote for Reed because I'm for nature. No matter what technology comes along, no matter what it does, I'm against it. Right? Mm. Idiots, like, don't vote for Reed in either of those cases.
1: Mm. I guess. I mean, I mean, I would say that's the same that's sort not of a idiocy. Maybe that's, that's not the a same sort of idiocy I feel I see in politics all the time, traditionally conceived. Yeah,
0: maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe that's right. I mean, I don't think people go around saying,
1: do they? Or they I'm on dress the left, it up no with matter some what facts. it's a left vote, you know it's as I was saying earlier they would yeah. dress it up with some facts and some empirical claims, but underneath mm-hmm. it's a raw preference,
0: yeah, I guess as a voter, I'd be like, i don't it's so complicated or it's so gonna it's gonna be so case specific, like mm. when some piece of technology should be if you like favored over the the cost to nature. Or when nature should be favored despite the cost to tech, or more specifically, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what the kinds it? of benefits that advancing tech would confer upon humanity. I'm sort of like, I don't. I, I'm not a naturist. I'm not a techie I'm not a techist. Mm. I, I, you know, and I guess given all the counterexamples to both sides, it seems to me weird to plunk oneself down as a techie or nature, a naturey. Mm in a way that doesn't feel odd to plunk oneself down between being on the left or the right.
1: Yeah, so I think you've hit on what I think is the biggest self-criticism I have about this spectrum, which is, and this is where we need to introduce a new bit of philosophical apparatus, if that's okay, this late into the discussion. Let's do but it. <laughs> philosophers tend to distinguish between intrinsic and extrinsic value. Intrinsic value is the sort we've been talking about. It's that principled idea of something being valuable for its own sake nature valuable for its own sake technology may be valuable for its own sake but then there's this other kind of value which is extrinsic value otherwise called instrumental value which is value as a means to an end we have all these ends we value we value certain things not intrinsically but as means to other ends and as it happens even the naturist will admit, sorry, naturists aren't the people who go naked on beaches, are they? I think I've used the wrong word there.
0: <laughs> those are naturalists. Oh, that was
1: a total minefield. In my right. PhD. Yeah, they're, so they're, they're really nudists. They're nudists. Nudists, yeah. So even the nudist naturalist <laughs> naturist would accept yeah. that technologies are instrumentally valuable. And sure. you, you might be on the environmental side and think that like ecotech is a huge area that we should be investing in. Not because technology is intrinsically valuable, but because it has this, it's a means to a natural end. And so the instrumental value of technology and of nature, you know, because nature provides us with, you know, food and materials and all that. This introduces noise into like my, into the predictive power of my spectrum. And that noise might rise to the level where if you're in the center, like you are, you might think, The intrinsic preference for nature or technology is completely swamped by this instrumental value. It doesn't really matter what I think about the naturalness of some activity. I'm going to invest in this technology because it's the only way to save my family's life.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. It's just the case that in some cases it's going to be worth trading nature for technology. In other cases it's going to be worth trading technology for nature. There's, I don't know, I can't predict, you know, What's going to happen? What should happen more often than the other? It's not like it's a quantity thing. It's not like we're trying to, hmm. okay, if you're going to sacrifice technology for nature five times and you have to sacrifice the other five times, that's that would be insane.
1: Hmm. Well, is so, it okay to say to you that this works on a dispositional level? So I could say that an angry man isn't angry all the time, but he just has a disposition sure. to get angry quicker and more often. It's yeah, I mean,
0: yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's just that's just a way of saying something like, you know, there are some politicians who sort of lean, sort of lean towards nature, but they can be, you know, they can be persuaded to lean the other way. In, in certain cases, mm. they're, they're going to be nature friendly <laughs> as opposed to tech friendly. That's that's fine. And then I guess it's something like an empirical question about how helpful that would actually turn out to be. One is how, you know, you know, how predictive is it actually of what they're going to do or what they might do? What impacts will they actually have by virtue of their leaning? How much does their leaning play a role in the minds of voters when they're voting for candidates for p- potentially anyway, a variety of reasons where the nature of technology stuff plays some role, but say, so does abortion or something along those lines or taxation to your point. Hmm. So I guess it's potentially a helpful, I guess my view is something like it's potentially helpful, but it's going to depend upon empirical facts about which I'm ignorant, which is, To what extent do dispositions or leanings towards nature or tech actually play a role in how they govern and how voters would decide?
1: Mm. Yeah, well, you know, I'm very happy with that. I'm very happy to be, you know, one small effect, one effect of many that form this complex empirical prediction question.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, if the claim is something like, we should take into account you know we should take into account people's nature versus tech leanings in voting for people that seems like a totally reasonable thing to to suggest mm. particularly in light of the fact if it is a fact and it seems plausible that the tech versus nature leanings don't map nicely onto the left right leanings that people have
1: mm. Mm. yeah i guess i would just say like it seems all very nice but this isn't happening right now right <laughs> like you know I, I'm not going to be able to as a UK civil servant speak about my own country but like I, I've seen in you know manifestos and political documents from around the world that like people will often have a glowing environment chapter saying how much they value the natural world and want to conserve it while also having yeah a glowing technology chapter and nobody sees these things as at all intention and I know we can be centrist yeah. and like both and that's fine but there is a tension there at the margin
0: yeah i think you're right and you know I- i'm becoming i could get i could be more persuaded of this i mean because i want to say look don't we have the naturists we've got the left we've got the environmental people so we yeah. already know if people lean environmental right we are that's already yeah, on the political spectrum on the, map, it's on the yeah. left side of the spectrum
1: Well, no you then get you get who... in the uk at least we you get lots of right wing eco people like you get the sort of conservative oh, conservation movement you, you know but are
0: your right-wingers pretty close to our left-wingers
1: oh well, yeah there's that it's true <laughs> I, I would say well okay so, so the I point know, is like and, all... your left,
0: and, and your left and your left wing is our is our
1: way left here <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there's a calibration difference there but, but i suppose if you mm-hmm. imagine that you have the two by two political map and then you have my third axis all eight octants yeah. of that 3d shape I, could, <laughs> you I just
0: blew I, the, the listeners minds but yeah it,
1: all eight you know spaces in this hypothetical three-dimensional space yeah. are occupiable yeah. they're logically occupiable and I could probably name some theorist or member of the public who sits yeah. there um
0: yeah yeah i mean here he, so here's what i want to say on your behalf or in your you know on your side or something like that is i think it's pretty clear to spot the naturey people yeah, the environment—at least by way of spotting the environmentalist people. Although I, maybe that's not right. I mean, may, maybe some people are really environmentally friendly because of climate change, et cetera. But they also think, let's maximize the shit out of human potential using whatever means, using mm-hmm. whatever tech means we can. I guess I'd be interested to know how closely being an environmentalist is tied to being what we what we've been calling a naturalist more generally. And I just I just don't know the answer. The other thing that I wanted to say in your favor is something like, we don't have, that I can think of in our political regime, as it were, the people who are like, yes, tech, 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 but we do have technologists who are right now speaking a lot with politicians and influencing them a lot. And so while they might not officially be the politicians that is on the tech side, if you've got people from Silicon Valley, et cetera, marching to Washington to say, hey, listen, here's what you should do about, say, AI- then that techie view is going to get into their heads, and they're going to mm. they're going to act appropriately. So if you know, if they're seeking the advice of the technologists, that is a way of occupying that techie view intentionally or not. And so, to the extent that people are aware of that fact, that is that's
1: helpful. Mm. Yeah, no, that's really well put. I suppose that um, just a side note. I, I'm really interested to see whether politicians do sort of nail themselves to the technology mast and say I'm pro-tech in a way you say hasn't happened. Right. I, I think some do, right? Like I think in the UK, we've recently announced our ambition to be a science superpower. And this is like a podium pledge. This is a, a, yeah, big, that's interesting. Um, yeah. a big drum that people... Back- yeah, New, York, New York City just
0: released its AI strategy. So yeah. a, a, you might think about it as a mere means to an end, but yeah, there's hints of tech is really good. We need to use tech.
1: Yeah. To, to your earlier point, I think... Um, you sort of talked about, well, there's some environmentalists who might be like pro-nature, others are just in it because they care about, you know, human welfare and they think that climate change is bad, et cetera. And yeah. I think what's going to be interesting, and I'm sort of trying to sort of predict this phenomenon, is our sort of loose environmentalist identity is going to radically cleave apart between the people who value nature and the people mm. who don't particularly care
0: Oh, yeah, that, that's an interesting prediction.
1: I mean, one example of this is like in animal rights, right? Like a lot of people value mm-hmm. nature because they care about animal rights. But caring about animals doesn't necessarily mean caring about nature. There's a philosopher, David Pierce, who yeah. says that, you know, we have the technology now to tweak animal brains to make them happier or to tweak predators mm. to stop them wanting to hunt prey and to turn them all into herbivores. And it seems like you yeah. can be an animal rights advocate and be pro those sorts of technological interventions or you could just say no i want like a wild scary natural animal kingdom
0: that's a great example actually because my instinct is like that that would be too fucked up like don't (laughs) don't just start injecting you know non-human animals with things that just make them happy and and non-predatory or something (laughs) That that strikes me as insane but I don't. But I can't exactly articulate. If you put the danger stuff to the side, like we don't know what happened with the ecosystem, blah blah blah. Fine, okay. But putting even putting that to the side, even if it all be cool, it's still sort of like, I don't know. I don't know that we should screw with nature like that. That seems. I do have an impulse there, so that's cool. Cool. All right, let's let's end on that note of me being disgusted by something I don't know how to explain it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: No, this was really really fun and interesting. Thanks so much, Ben.